Hey, shout out to my holla at you. Okay, so last week everything was real loose. We were partying. You were doing mm-hmm. drugs on Mike. <laughs> you can call them drugs. You actually, you only had the cocktail. I did all the other stuff. Yeah, I didn't have the uh, literal grass. But this week we got to get a little real. Yeah. And we're going to get a little real for the rest of the month because uh, some things are relevant in the news again. And the thing is, for the rest, we'll be dealing with this subject in our shorty zaps for the rest of June. So by the end of June, who knows where we'll be? I suspect we'll be in the place where the media is back to not really talking about it in the way that they should, which is usually the current default of uh, Western media in regards to the Israeli-Palestine situation. Yeah, we're talking about that. I guess it's been a few weeks ago at the time of this recording where it made the news of some settlers... Israeli settlers coming into the Shikshara neighborhood to take some space from people who have lived there, you know, all their life. And some were even born there. And there's a lot of shit going back. Some would say, you know, back to 1948. Some would say going back to 1958. Some would yeah. say different places coming in and out. Some would say going back well over a millennium. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, my ancestors may have owned something uh, in the bottom of England 3,000 years ago, I don't necessarily think that I have a right to it. No, but that's not just, at all. But that's just me. You know, not at that's all. That's just me. Uh, but yes, so there was uh, this footage. I remember of this lady talking to the guy, and she knew the guy, Palestinian woman. She's like, Yosef, you know this isn't yours. This is my place. Why are you doing this to us? And this Yosef, uh, Israeli man with a... Uh, like a New York City, Brooklyn accent. You are stealing my house. And if I don't steal it, someone else is going to steal it. No, no one, no one uh, is allowed to steal it, Yami. He's going to resettle in her home. And uh, I should point out, I think it was um, sometime in the 50s, 1948, Israeli, this the modern state of Israel was founded, mm-hmm. right, in 1948. Right. By multiple forces, Great Britain was heavily involved in the their intelligence was heavily involved in that because they had like kind of their own grip on Palestine at that time before 1948. So there were other them and other Western powers were instrumental in the modern the birth of the modern state of Israel. And back then, they were, I guess they offered the Palestinians at the time. Although one could say because Israel is under specific Jewish laws and laws that benefit Israelis more than anyone else, right? But Jewish people, Christians, Palestinians. It's not like Jewish people were all gone and then suddenly came back. There were Jewish people that lived in Palestine when it was Palestine. Right. And you were going to say they offered the Palestinians something? Yeah. It was basically like early on, it was like a two-state solution. You take that part, we take that part. And the Arab sides were like, no, this is our city. So Of Jerusalem. Uh, of Jerusalem and all of Israel. Right, right. And so, but the line... Is in Mm -hmm. Jerusalem because it's such a holy city for multiple religions. Mm -hmm. These forces that were coming in to create a modern Israel were like, fine, we'll just take this chunk of it right here. Jerusalem is, of course, the most contested, breaking it down to certain 
areas, especially in Sheikh Jarrah and Gaza and the West Bank and shit like that. And speaking of Sheikh Jarrah, mm-hmm. that's the neighborhood we're talking about in this shorty that came out in around 2014, I think. There are people out there that think criticizing the actions of a right-wing Israeli government is the same thing as being anti-Semitic. If you listen to this show and believe that, you might have a hard time with our shorties for the next few weeks. Because, you know, I just look at power dynamics. And who has less, who has more in the power dynamic, right? And I know a lot of people who are defending Israel's uh, airstrikes and shit that have been going on for the last... I I think there is a ceasefire now as as we're talking, but we've had ceasefires before. Right. You know, they're... um, well, a lot of Swiss cheese-sized holes in those ceasefires, but we'll see what's up. But I, I know if people will equate, like, like Hamas, of course Hamas pops off every time something bad happens to Palestinians. They fire rockets, some civilians will get killed. So, like, it just seems like the ratio is, like, eight people died here from a Hamas rocket. And, and usually Israeli has this iron dome, which is objectively cool as shit that intercepts missiles and stuff. Yeah. 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 And, uh, so, so few missiles do go through, but the Palestinian side, they don't have an iron dome. So when Israel fires back entire cities and apartment complexes, like hundreds to even thousands of people within a span of a week will die. Yeah. And I know there's an argument that's like, what's the difference between one death and, a, and, and 10 deaths, 100 deaths and 1,000 deaths? It's like... Very clearly, the numbers are very it, different. It, it seems like, yeah, it seems like the numbers represent a balance of power and what yeah. it, one side is capable of doing versus the other. Well, that's also like just a, a religious perspective of if you're going to kill one person, it's just as bad as killing 10. You know, like that... I, yeah, I suppose. Like, if you're sinning, you're sinning. Oh, like, like in the Jesus way, right? Yeah, yeah, that's what I... I mean, I don't know if that's where that's coming from, but, I mean, it's obviously the Israeli side that's using that argument. But it is very much a... If you're going to do a bad thing, there's no difference between doing one bad thing and ten bad things. But there is. There is actually. Yeah, yeah. There. I mean, you can say that... <laughs> okay, so, uh, like, you're going you're gonna to get in a fight with someone. You have no weapons, right? One person has a rock. Mm-hmm. The other person has a gun. Who are you going to pick? Both can fuck you up. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to pick the guy with the rock in terms of like what I feel like would be a more advantageous scenario for me. Yeah. We'll break more of this down throughout the month each week. Each week. But we're talking about this film, Sheikh Jarrah, My Neighborhood, uh, directed by Julia Baca and Rebecca Wingert Jabi. And we meet an adorable little kid. Yeah, he's the greatest. He's in like seventh grade, I think. His name is Mohammed El Kurd. And yes, he lives in the Sheikh Sharad neighborhood. Which, uh, I mean, in Jerusalem, there's holy sites all over the place. So everything is contested. And there's a little bit, I'm forgetting the details of why. Jewish people are fond or want to lay claim to Sheikh Jarrah specifically, or the Israeli people. But it's one of the neighborhoods where they are like, we need this one. Yes. And I should also point out that the Israeli government and the Supreme Court, like I said, a right-wing Netanyahu government, when people are going up and saying, like, uh, you know, committees of Israelis who will lay claim that their family owns territories in Sheikh Jarrah will go to the courts and the courts of Israel will side with Israelis 
to go in and settle and take homes from Palestinian people. Even though years and decades and decades ago, these people were allowed to move into these houses, were yeah. like given permissions to, and you were explaining this to me, that like basically they were given, they were said if you live here for a certain amount of time, this will become yours. But they never actually like filed the paperwork or something, right? Like it never became well, official or it's just not recognized? Well, it, it wasn't recognized, but they were, because they were displaced and Palestinians were moved into these neighborhoods, specifically by Jordan who kind of was a representative of power at the time mm. and have had in the past had conflict with the, the Israeli government. They moved them with the UN uh, in these Palestinian refugees, and there was a deal made that if the refugees uh, disavow their refugee status, which gives them specific rights internationally, mm -hmm. that then if they stay in these buildings for three years, then they can just live there, and then it's just theirs, then it's their home, and... But that the rest of that deal was never followed through by the Israeli government. Yeah, and like Mohammed's grandmother, she talks about she moved into her house in 1954. Lived there for 54 years. So it was around the 50s in which, yeah, when they're starting to get specifically settled. Because when 1948 happened, like, there were Jewish people that were actually displaced. Because, I mean, you you could make an argument that based on how things were prior to the foundation of modern Israel, that it was more kind of ingrained in multicultures, multiculturalism mm -hmm. prior to the foundation of modern Israel. It was majority Arab, mm -hmm. but it wasn't, but Jewish people existed in these societies. I mean, at that point, it was probably more dangerous to be Jewish in Europe than it mm. was in Palestine at that time. Sure. So, but now we got just tons of animosity and of course, Israel hardliners are like, well, God gave us this land so we can just take it. And if you believe God can let you have that, then that's what our boy Muhammad el-Kurd is dealing with. And yes, his grandmother's lived there for 54 years, and she talks about how they applied for a permit. Uh, but now Israeli settlers are saying that their neighborhood is theirs, and they are literally watching their neighbors get their furniture dragged out. Yeah. And there's supposed to be a process where they can pay rent. Like, there were committees later on after that deal fell through. Mm. Israeli committees, who consist of, like, families of that lay claim to certain areas, went to the courts, and, and the courts determined that if the Palestinians pay rent to these families, then they can keep the homes. And, of course, some Palestinians right. are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Now i got to pay rent to these people that just go up and say this is theirs now? And it's like, so, of course, some, like, protested by, like, right. being like, I didn't pay rent before. I'm not paying rent now. Yeah. And so, you know, that kind of also, in the in the mind of the Israeli government, Lin gives legitimacy to individuals going in and just taking shit like that. We meet a guy. He's an Israeli who obviously supports these settlements. And also, these settlers that are coming in, they're from, like, all over the world. I was watching this short the other day where this Palestinian man was pointing it out. Modern Israel, in the Jewish state that it is, consists of people all over the world. You got people talking in French Moroccan accents. You got Russian Jews. You got, we can go to Israel and encounter many people who sound exactly like us when we talk. Sure, sure. It's because of, because anyone who is a practicing Jewish person or can prove their lineage can be a citizen of Israel. The, but the person in this video was pointed out like, you see, the Palestinians aren't really like that. It wasn't like a bunch of Arabs came in and be like, okay, I'm going to go settle in Palestine. The Palestinians that exists there 
both Arab and Christian Palestinians are generations that never left. Yeah. Whereas like swaths of Israel's population was not born in Israel. They've just migrated there. Yes, over the years. And there are many people that were born in Israel. I mean, it's been around since 1948. So that is a thing now. And some families that have moved to Israel just to make sure their children are born there. There's still just people from so many places all over the world originally before coming to Israel. Mm. And that is like a cultural difference between much of the Israeli population and the Palestinian population mm-hmm. who represents generations that just didn't leave, you know? Yeah. Because honestly, people aren't like chomping at the bit to go live in what is considered modern Palestine, which isn't even recognized as a as a country right? by like many Western powers. So... Mm. But we meet a guy named Yonatan Yosef. He's one of the settlers, or he's kind of representative of the settlers. And it's really interesting because he walks into this home, and he's and he sees these little Palestinian children who look adorable. And he's being very nice to them, but these are Palestinian kids. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of there to help facilitate laws that are essentially going to kick these kids out of their home. Yeah. And so it's just kind of odd. Like, he's being super nice to these kids and being sweet to them. Hello. But he's going to take their house. Yeah. We take house after house because we prove in the uh, court that uh, this area uh, belonged to the Jewish. And because that, uh, all this area uh, will be a Jewish neighborhood. Our uh, dream that uh, all East Jerusalem uh, will be like uh, West Jerusalem, Jewish capital of Israel. He thinks it's like his calling yes. to make this happen. And they don't care that they are literally putting people out on the street. Grandmothers, children on the street at a moment's notice because they consider it their birthright. Muhammad is watching his neighbors get evicted. And when there's an eviction going on, like there's Israeli police coming to crowd the shit out. So there is actual legal brute force that helps to facilitate these uh, moves. All perfectly legal. And we get protesters that march against the settlers. And a lot of these protests are just people like taking to the streets, watching people in their neighborhood lose their homes. See a line of Israeli men just passing off furniture out of a home. And uh, Muhammad putting up like signs in Arabic that says we won't leave and shit like that. Because he talks about how he went to school one day, and while he was at school, they came and tried to take his house. And they put his grandmother out, and they actually injured her. Yeah. Like, she didn't want to leave, and they grabbed her arm. And she's an old woman. She ends up in the fucking hospital. Like, they just don't, they just don't care what they do to who. Mm-hmm. And so, then he comes out of school, and he's obviously mad. And just listening to this young person who, listen, may not have had the easiest life up until this point... But it got a whole fuck lot harder, and he had to grow up in, like, a second. Mm. You know? Like, if he was a, able to be a kid before then, that stopped. Because then he sees, like, oh, these people are just taking our stuff. My grandma's in the hospital. Like, my family is losing their home. And he, as a child, can see how unjust this is. Yeah. Because it is so clear how unjust it is. It was breaking my heart. And Muhammad straight up says, I hate them. Yeah. So we meet a, a brother and sister duo, Zvi and Sarah. They are young Israelis. Their parents were born elsewhere, I think the U.S. And they came to 
make sure their kids were born in Israel and they grew up in Israel. Yeah. Well, they heard about these settlements going on. They made it their duty to protest against their fellow Israelis coming in and just taking these buildings. Yep. So they start, they're starting off with these little small stop the settlement marches. And, uh, and of course, some Israelis are like, there's going to be a lot of Jewish gatekeeping in a lot of these documentaries. There are, these shorties that we're going to be talking about this month. This is when they start talking about left and right even more. Mm. So these, like, Jews who are leftist yeah. don't think that people should be displaced from their homes. But the but the Jewish people who are on the right... But God said I could. Yeah. Exactly. They're the God said I could people. And so that's that clash... And so these folks are like, no, we can't just stand by and not say anything about this. So they start forming protests all over the place. Eventually, even like these two people get connected, like Muhammad meets yeah, meets them and like starts protesting with them. Muhammad admits he's confused as to why Jews would support them. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't understand. He's never met a Jewish person who was nice to him before. When I see more Israeli culture and how they communicate... The thing that strikes me, and it's because they're from all over the world and so many are also from the U.S., is that they seem so similar to us mm-hmm. in how we are in some cultural way. I mean, Jewish culture is a, has a big presence in American culture, so that makes sense there. But it's kind of funny. I think, you know, Young V and Sarah, they actually seem to be more like legitimate lefty types and not yeah. so much these kind of like moderate liberal types who feel bad for people but don't really do much about it you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying type of people we'll see in our last shorty uh that we discuss yeah as v shows muhammad his little anti-fascist button yes v is antifa because yeah. he is anti-fascist and he gives it to muhammad and they seem to have this nice charming little connection there's this cute moment where muhammad's asking him what it says and he's explaining it to him and he goes i want to get one of those and so he takes it off his bag and hands it to him and then he like says the words again that are on the button and he puts it on and he kind of chuckles and he's like i speak hebrew now <laughs> <laughs> It's super cute. It's so sweet. Zvi uh, says that my struggle is against the state, Mm -hmm. specifically. But there are no laws in place for Palestinians to defend their housing. They can go through these kind of bureaucratic processes, but they're often either put off or just ignored completely. So by the time that maybe it does get discussed in some formal setting, sometimes it'll just have been years. Years. And they didn't really get into this in any of the shorties we watched today, but it was kind of alluded to a few times, and I've seen some things about this where you actually ended up, in some cases, sharing your home with these settlers because while they would, like, try to kick you out, you could still, like, squat in your house, I guess, Mm -hmm. but they could also be in your house. Yeah, so imagine, like, you're living somewhere, and then there's a sheet separating a part of the house, and, like, a whole different family has just decided to move in. I just can't even imagine. And unlike you, they're not paying rent. I should say that Muhammad's grandmother, she's kind of confused by activists. She says she doesn't really trust them. I can kind of understand that distrust because they're going to come into these territories and protest, but then like go back to whatever their bougie Tel Aviv lives. Or That's probably the way she's thinking about it. I don't know. It makes sense to me that she might have a little bit in the back of her mind of like, what are they getting out of this? 
Yeah. What are they getting from this? Like, why are, and when are they going to just stop helping us because they aren't getting what they want? Sometimes it can be just so hard for people to wrap their heads around someone who's doing something for anyone other than themselves. Especially if you've never had anyone do that for you. Yeah. Or if you just don't know the person, yeah. I can kind of see how that can be like, what's going on here? What's the catch here? Mm-hmm. Well, Zvi and Sarah's dad, they, he supports them politically, but is concerned about the system and how the system will treat them. He talks about how he likes what they're doing. He does actually go to a protest with them before the documentary is over. He kind of explains it as, as how he knows what they're doing is important because he's the son of Holocaust survivors and he knows that like his family would not have survived if it weren't for people like his children who were willing to yeah. kind of go against what go against the system and, and so, people who aren't necessarily like Jewish. Yeah, helping exactly. His family get past the system. Yeah, helping someone who's not like yourself because you see that something is wrong and he kind of came at it from more of, I guess you could say, like a selfish point of view in that he just was worried about his children getting arrested. Yeah, he didn't worried. want anything bad to happen sure. to his kids, which... But he does admit that just people can make a difference. Absolutely. I totally agree with that, but I feel like that ju- the true just people are just the ones that aren't talked about. They're not the mm. ones that are trotted out. They, I feel like the, the, the message of the just gets co-opted by the media when they feel like it's safe in a populist way to discuss it. Mm. And then that's when that justness gets credited to politicians and celebrities and news anchors. Or who, major news networks. Or major news networks that really had to spend money on marketing to to make sure that they're not going to like lose viewership or money by talking mm-hmm. about these values. And that's how it is. Well, like we're we're in Pride Month now. Yeah. And we got now we're what's moved forward with corporations accepting gay rights, even putting out like rainbow merch and stuff. In a way it shows a general acceptance, but the thing is they wouldn't do that if the population didn't determine that this was accepted. Well, and it's always like two steps forward or one step forward, whatever is it? Two steps forward, one step back. Because, you know, recently, even in Tennessee, there was a law passed that basically says that if you're going to allow transgender people in your business, you have to post a sign saying that you're allowing transgender people in your business. Have you heard about this? Wait, where was this? In Tennessee. Our governor signed it. Um, oh, I want to that... say at this time of this recording, it was about two weeks ago, a week to two weeks ago. And so they have to have signs posted and they have to have unisex restrooms which basically are just saying that, like, if you're a transgender person, you're not allowed to go in the restroom of the gender that you identify uh, as, which is a huge problem and is unsafe for people. It's just it's just one of those things where it's like, now you have to put up a sign that says you're allowing these people to come into your home. It is disgusting. Yeah, well, Bill Lee, our governor, I think he got vaccinated, which is too bad, because I'd love it if he dropped dead from COVID. <laughs> so while some things are good in some areas, and like, yes... But then there's still awful things happening constantly in conjunction with yes. those things. I mean, we live in, we record and live in Nashville, which is a very kind of your basic liberal hub, like many metropolitan cities. But outside of here, uh, other than here in Memphis, uh, it could it's just pretty much uh, bleeds right wing reactionary everywhere else. So, yeah. Mohammed defends the activists, the Israeli activists. To his grandmother, I'm sure he understands why his grandmother feels this, that way, but Muhammad's a young kid, and that the hope of a young person like that is very palpable, 
and it might get knocked down a peg as he grows up and gets further into the world. You can't look down on that while he's living in that moment. But apparently, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's sister-in-law was at this protest we see in here. Yeah, so that's interesting. culminates in a huge protest in the neighborhood where you actually do see, like, grandma's out there, Muhammad's out there, like, everyone's out there. And he actually says, like, this would have never happened. Because people kind of came from all over Israel who did support mm. these Palestinians staying in their neighborhood. And this huge protest happened, which was, like, unprecedented. At least for a time, it stopped. Yeah, we get to two years later and we see Zvi. And he talk, and he has this narrative that things seem to have changed and there's been no new evictions. Though we just explained at the beginning of the episode what has been going on lately. Yeah, I mean, he didn't he didn't act as though he'd won anything, though. You know, he, he seemed very level-headed about it, where he was like, nothing has happened lately. Be diligent. But also, nothing has happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Like the settlers that came in. It hasn't gotten better. Their status hasn't changed. Yeah, it just hasn't gotten worse yet. And Muhammad, uh, I guess, has lost portions of their house or is totally out. I think and, at that point they were totally out. And he just... Dis- discusses how there's no news yet on them getting their house back. But there is not an infrastructure for them as Palestinians to make that challenge because they're going against what is perceived as holy ordained Jewish law. And he says he wants to, when he grows up, he wants to be a lawyer so that he can get his house back. Yeah. I think you told me he's a journalist now. He's still, he's an activist. He's an activist and a writer. Uh, He actually, I saw him on an interview of CBS, he did a CBS interview lately, definitely um, fighting through the uh, placating verbiage of Western media sure. in regards to people getting taken from their home. Even now, listening to this report, you said that Palestinians in 1948 abandoned their homes when, in fact, they were forced out by Zionist militias carrying out massacres. This is what happened to my grandmother who dreamt of going back to her home until she died last year. In Sheikh Jarrah today, we are facing the same threat of ethnic cleansing that we have faced in 1948 and continue to face at the hands of U.S. registered settler organizations colluding with the settler state. But he's he's become like a, a handsome young man. And, and the funny thing is, I didn't even like catch his name. Like I recognized his face. Aww. And I was like, that's got to be that kid. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it was. So he's grown up to be uh, a young activist, and we wish uh, young Muhammad all the power. Yeah. This entire country was established through destroying Palestinian villages and um, displacing Palestinian refugees. And now um, this policy of colonial expansion has replaced an artillery with um, a judicial system that is inherently colonial, inherently uh, asymmetrical and biased towards Israeli Jews. Get it, kid. And that's that. A short documentary, Sheikh Jarrah, My Neighborhood by Julia Baca and Rebecca Wingert Jabi, mm-hmm. uh, which we saw. We'll, we'll link it in the show notes. There's always links in the show notes. Make sure you check those out, folks, We so you can watch the things that we watch. Yeah. Yeah, so we, we're going to rate this in Baby Herzogs, our, kind of a stupid system, but... <laughs> I'm going to give it one through three baby Herzogs. You're going to give it one through three baby Herzogs. We'll combine them for best out of six. It's lesser than our one through five full-grown Herzogs that you might have noticed in the other uh, episodes. But, uh, Angela, why don't you tell me, why don't you give me your rating for Sheikh Jarrah, My Neighborhood? Um, Three. I agree. Just three. straight up three. It was, it was very good. I could have watched. I wanted to know even more. 
mm-hmm. that was going on, and 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 you know, obviously, we're going to get into the other ones soon, but I would have preferred like two hours of this one. I felt like just the scene alone of Zvi handing young Muhammad his anti-fascist button. I know. And letting him have it, and him telling him what it means and Muhammad being like I speak Hebrew now that scene alone is three stars for it this was whole a, thing. it was amazing I and also you know I said I would have taken two hours of it I would have I would have kept watching these people's story if they had you know filled in that gap of those two years I would have watched all of it but I really think the directors of this did a really amazing job in being able to tell such an impactful story in such a short time and still leaving in those moments. Yeah. You know? They, they, they really did show a lot of emotional weight in a short period of time. And yeah. I think um, people might underestimate how hard that can be mm-hmm. when you're making your films or whatnot. So, But I imagine when you're up in some fucking like West Bank settlement, it might not be hard to pull genuine emotion out of people who are going through some real shit. But yeah, six, a full six out of six, baby Herzog. This is a perfect short documentary. So join us next week as we get uh, some people who are critical of the Israeli government in a way that you might not expect. It gets, mm-hmm. We're going to get a little weird next week. So oh, yeah. Come back to us, and we love you long time. <laughs> Keep on docking. Palestinians in apartheid Israel is unbearable. We are subjugated to police violence, we are subjugated to land theft, we are subjugated to racist laws and a colonial judicial system. The people of Sheikh Jarrah has decided to take a stance against ethnic cleansing and they were met with brute force. Certainly we did not spark any violence. The state, which is fascist, that we live under is already violent. Thank you for listening to the Documenteers podcast. I am a sex robot. If you want to support the show, we recommend listening, subscribing and recommending this show to people that you feel like can handle the shit we spitting. Cool people like Juggalos. A great way to help the show is to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Any written review at five stars will be read on the show and it can pretty much be anything but hate speech. You can simply write butthole 37 times in a row with a five star rating and that would be perfectly acceptable and greatly appreciated. Contact us through our Documenteers Instagram or email us at documenteerspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. I am a sex robot. Keep on docking.